Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association, a podcast about woodworking from folk who woodwork. Woodworking is what we do, who we are, and what we like to talk about. So join us as we have a drink, sit around, and talk woodworking. Hi, and welcome to episode 170 of the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast. I'm Sean Wisniewski of the Corner Workshop, and tonight I'm here with my co-host, Diami Plotke of the Penultimate Woodshop. And tonight, we're talking to Brian Prusa. You may know him from such things, well, if you live around Columbus, Ohio, you may run into him, or his popular YouTube channel. <laughs> uh, I've got like 30 subscribers. See? You know what? That's better than mine. Because I don't have one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't really do that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So. Well, welcome. Me. Welcome. Thanks. Let's get right into it. Uh, what's going on in the shop? Um, not a whole much. Uh, are that's good are the cars done? The cars are done. Um, okay. Embarrassingly, we lost a wheel. Oh um, no! Yeah. Anyway, he was rather disappointed, but we got one left, so we'll get <laughs> it next year. Um, honestly, once we get there, since I'm running the whole event, I have no idea what happens in the individual races. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it means is that having worked on the entertainment center for a while and then having kind of just stopped and used the entertainment center as a work surface to build Pinewood Derby cars and then having literally finished them hours before the race, it means that right now my shop is perhaps the biggest disaster it's ever been in. Mm -hmm. Um, There were times when it wasn't set up as a shop when it was worse in here, but it's uh, makes me cringe as I walk around. Um, before I get back to work on the entertainment center, I need to do a serious, serious cleaning. And I'm not one of these people who like puts everything away after every project. And I tend to have a relatively messy shop. Considering the size, it's probably pretty messy because most small shops you end up putting stuff away just because it's in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's an absolute disaster right now. And just to top it off, like I've got, I started while I was working the entertainment center. I started on a design for a growler cooler which i've probably mentioned on the show oh yeah um, yeah yeah i haven't it's still sitting as as six planks on a shelf that i have to start um I think i'm gonna dovetail them um but i have to start doing the joinery to, to form it and i still haven't wrapped my head around the gasketing mechanisms and stuff but as you know why should i finish that design before i move on i think i came up with a slightly though still really complicated way to make one out of a five-gallon bucket instead of a big wooden box. So I brought home a little scrap of copper today, uh, copper sheet metals, which I'm going to make the inner tank for because I can solder it and make it nice and watertight. Mm -hmm. So that's coiled up as you first walk in. So beyond having tools everywhere in the shop, I have this nice coil of copper that I'm tripping over to come in and out of the shop. (laughs) So so that's just a a real long way of saying it's time to clean. Right. Fair enough. And you, Sean? Um, Well, speaking of cleaning, uh, my cat's been helping me with that, and that's about the only thing that's changed on my bench. Um, But my my big old cat I found on a couple different occasions sprawled out uh, on my arguably, well, admittedly messy bench, um, sawdust and a plane on its side and charging and... Blades of different assortments uh, are laying on there, and 
I found some of that scattered on the floor and uh, just like a sweep of sawdust across a, now a fairly open space on my bench. Which I so I have to thank him a little bit because uh, it makes me put some stuff away because I see it on the ground. But um, <laughs> but otherwise, um, that's about it. Well, you know what would be a solution for that? And I, as much mm-hmm. as I am not a cat person, that's not the direction I'm going here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You could actually move your shop to the garage. Oh. <laughs> I saw it coming from a mile away. Yeah, did you? No. You know how cold it is in my garage? It's ridiculous. Put a jacket on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Then the, the anyway. So the fluctuations, the rust issues, <laughs> I just don't know. My last shop was uninsulated, Sean, in Columbus mm-hmm. here. And uh, yeah, I just put more clothes on. Uh, yeah. there was a few times where I'd get dressed and go out and, uh, my fingers would start to get really cold and then you can't feel your fingers. They're like, I think I'll call it a day. Mm-hmm. So, but not that often if you dress up warm enough. <laughs> one of, All one, right. one, one of my, uh, co-hosts right now is a real man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> got, got me beat there. I spent my time working in the outdoors. I, uh. I tend to stay away from that at this point. But Brian, speaking of your shop, what do you got going on? Uh, usually about a half dozen different things, and it's hard to keep track. Uh, and usually half of them are for myself and my wife in our house, and then the other half are for people or uh, clients and all that sort of thing. So uh, the best way would be to go look at my Instagram because that's oh. what I update the most. So there you go. Yeah, it's a uh, Prusa Woodworks PR USA, and I try to post once a day and get updates on what's going on in the shop. Well, I saw the one that was top in my feed, though I'm not going to promise it was the most recent one. Um, I hate their algorithm for that yeah. for that reason. You playing with uh, with Mark and Andy's taps? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was today. So, mm-hmm. yep. What what are you threading for? Well, clearly a, a bolt, but um. that is a shower handle. So, like on a glass shower door. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that they had broke, and so I was like, "Oh, I'll just look at the store. This is a really weird size. It's like four hundred seventy-five millimeter spans instead of." The usual what everything else is so i looked around couldn't find it in a store and i was like i'll just make it out of wood so, so the original wasn't wood no it was metal uh and it's a weird situation where the handle on the inside of the door is vertical and the handle on the outside is horizontal so that one point it's a double threaded bolt because it's the same hole that they go through. So you got to get, yeah, it's just strange. Uh, it's a strange shower and I guess it's also a strange size handle. So try it out and see what it's the same size, uh, tap as what the shower has. So I think it'll work. Good. Interesting. Will you finish the handles or just assume that they're going to get destroyed by the bathroom and every few years need a new one? What's the strategy for having a wooden handle in a shower? I'm going to keep it. Uh, I'm going to paint the whole thing. So <laughs> the, the underside where the 
uh, tap is. That's going to be painted. And then uh, just do a coat of white. And then I asked the customers if they wanted something, if they wanted a silver or something to kind of match what they had. Okay. So, because the metal's like a silver, uh, like a brush silver. So, they have not gotten back to me on that yet, but. But that should be able to provide a fair amount of protection. I think so. And it's the outside handle, so. Okay, the inside will still be metal? Right, correct. And uh, the the hole's pretty small, so there's not going to be a ton of water getting in. And then the other one has a little gasket on it. Uh, so I don't think it'll get too wet. And if it does, I'll just make a new one, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you got to work in like a maintenance contract where every two years you come in and you replace it. <laughs> I try to stay out of the Just... I don't like redoing things. I try to do it once and get out of there. The trick is that when you redo it, you need to get repaid. That's the hard part sometimes. <laughs> no. But absolutely. wait, I already paid you to do this. So well, uh... <laughs> yeah. Got to write that in. No, no, uh, you know, three month guarantee or uh, rework. Yeah, some people don't understand that. Yeah, I know. That's a hard sell. No, oh, very cool. How are you liking those taps? They work fantastically. Yeah. Uh, I used them on a couple other things uh, where I tapped. Instead of using a T-nut on the bottom of a leg to have adjustable feet, I just tapped it. Mm-hmm. So that's end grain. That worked oh, yeah. pretty good. Uh and then I've done soccering on a couple of things. I did a tabletop. Uh, not tabletop. It was a uh, entertainment center type thing, media center. And that and worked well in the side grain too? That was side grain, yeah. And that worked great. That's crazy. I haven't got my chance to put my hands on a set of those. Um, actually, I can't say I've ever tapped anything. But I've I'm, tapped, I'm very intrigued by them. Sorry. Yeah. I've tapped wood before with uh, just regular metal taps. And mm-hmm. this was probably four or five years ago. And it worked okay. Uh, but these are specifically made for the wood. So when you put the bolt in, it, it's much tighter. There's not as much slop in it. So I really like that. Oh, so it's it's that too. It's not just the fact that they're fluted in a way to clear out chips, mm-hmm. you know. But they're also fluted, the they're longer and the tolerance is tighter, so that okay. when you put in a bolt, it won't wobble as much. Um, yeah, they're really well made from what I've experienced. You know, I haven't put them through production, but I've used them a handful of times, and I'm happy with them. Yeah, seem pretty cool. So uh, what's what's new before we dig too much deeper into to Brian? We'll we'll talk more about his stuff. But any anything uh, grabbed uh, grabbed your interest well, recently? Short, I heard that you were like the most popular guy in the interweb. That's not true. Do you the, our our a friend and founder of the show, Tom Ivino, the monkey himself. I only know this because he found me on Instagram. That he is on Instagram. So everyone 
within the sound of my voice, uh, needs to go follow Tom.Iovino on Instagram and give him hell. Tampa Tom is <laughs> Tampa Tom is finally come into uh, the modern uh, for for being an original modern woodworker. He is now on a modern uh, social media. I think that's important. And in in related news, SpaceX put a car in space, so that was pretty cool. I heard that was bananas. <laughs> and more impressively, not to, to get us completely way off topic, but landing two booster rockets, damn near simultaneously, that was damn impressive. I got chills from that. That was yeah. I was watching that live. I was like, ah, I might not see this again for a while. So yeah, I'm excited to see what's coming in that. For, anyway. That's all exciting. What what else? I'm sorry, I was Jamie, you got- I was looking to see if Instagram would tell you when people joined, but it doesn't. Oh, so he was who was first? I, I I don't mean to crush you, but Tom's been on Instagram a while. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, if he just if he just found me, but he doesn't have that many posts. No, he's not particularly. Uh, apparently, people don't like to hear posts about hurricane conferences. Yeah, it's true. Uh, but that being said. Um, Having checked with both of you, I'm sorry to say that of the three of us, I'll be the only one there. But True. coming up in April is Fine Woodworking Live. And you can go to finewoodworkinglive.com to find out the actual details. But it's shaping up to be, um, I think it's going to be a blast simply based on my friends who are going. So um, sign up and make some friends. That's what the point of these conferences is. You make some friends and learn to woodwork. Darn tootin'. I'm sad I can't go. Sure. I'll be fo- following vicariously whatever what other people are putting out there to be seen. As usual. I expect every post to be liked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good at one thing. Yeah. I'm glued and liking uh liking those those posts. Anyway. So uh Brian. Yes. Um so we talked a little bit about your shop. You're you're down in Columbus, Ohio. You know, as close to to me as as uh, very few of our our sub or our co-hosts are. Uh, we had the pleasure of meeting you down in Cincinnati. What two years ago? Yes, right in the WAA. Yes. Um. So if I, I'm trying to jog my memory, but you, I guess. How how much of your uh, your day to day is woodworking? Not as much as I'd like it to be. Uh, I probably get in thirty five forty hours a week. Oh, okay. So more than a hobbyist. Yes, I'm not considered a hobbyist. <laughs> okay. Okay. Most of my income comes from this, I guess. Excellent. My personal income. My wife makes way more money than I do, so that's a completely different story. <laughs> Mine too. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good thing. Yeah, it is. It is. So, uh, yeah. With uh, with working mostly in the shop, is it all commissioned pieces? Are you doing spec pieces? What kind of stuff do you build for customers? Yeah, mostly commission type things. And then, uh, like I was saying earlier, probably half commission things and then half stuff for us. 
because majority of the jobs I bid on, uh, people want to have a, you know, $200 bar built. Mm. And I'm like, I can't buy the materials for $200. So, uh, people, I guess in my area don't realize the cost of it yet. And maybe I'm just not finding the right market yet, but I think lots of people, lots of places don't understand the value of an actual piece of furniture or anything that's made by a person. That sounds about right. And I guess I could do things like that and, you know, make more commissions and stuff, but those aren't the customers that I want really. So I say no to a lot of people and, uh, then sometimes I just give them the number that I would actually need in order to do something like a picture they show me. And they're usually like, okay, thanks. Bye. <laughs> I've had too many of those types of presentations at work where everyone's all enamored. And the second you get the price, it's like, oh, so you can, you can take 40% of that off. I was like, no, actually I can't. <laughs> how this works. Um, I just... I don't get that. <laughs> so the customers that that do pay, that understand the value of the work, um, are they usually furniture? Is it usually, you know, I don't even know what I would call a shower door handle. Is that just custom fitting? That's not. not that's just it. a random. Yeah, that's just a random thing. Uh, I talk. I try to socialize to people in the area. And I hand out my cards as often as I can. Uh, sometimes you get random stuff like that. Uh, I'm also talking to someone who wants a whole desk and chair refinished, which is going to be pricey. Mm. Uh, but I haven't seen it in person, so I'm not 100% sure about the cost of that yet. I might go meet them this week or next week. But, uh, yeah, there's... There's lots of little things that happen, and my intention was trying to do a little job like that and making a little bit off of it is to create a relationship with a customer who will hopefully be willing to commit to bigger projects down the road. Absolutely. Yeah, at some point, it's if they're willing to pay, sometimes the project isn't that important. Right, right. So, is it is it just the certain projects that are cost prohibitive and you don't end up doing? And as long as you're willing to pay, you'll do pretty much whatever they might need in terms of refinishing or shower doors or an actual piece of furniture or whatever. Or do you really limit it as though there's there's things that you don't want to make and you you don't do, and other things that you want to make, and that's what you end up doing for customers. I am open to almost anything uh, if they pay what I'm asking. I was an art major in college, mm -hmm. so I have experience with a lot of different mediums. And I'm not really afraid to hop into something and see what happens. I'm currently working with a party and cake supply store. Okay. And I don't know if you've seen, I think I posted it on my Instagram, uh, cake toppers. So uh, I purchased 
the Glowforge, the laser, the little mm-hmm. laser. I purchased that Glowforge like three years ago, and I finally got it a couple months ago. And I started making these cake toppers for her, so uh, we can see how that goes and maybe develop a relationship. I've done a few other things for her, so, you know, I'll do small things. I'll do big pieces of furniture. I'll do whatever. Um and I don't mind doing small jobs because they're kind of fun sometimes. Right. Knock something out in a day and then be done with it. So, I mean, it, you have an art background. Mm-hmm. Uh, it working, you know, getting pulling in clients the way you are. Do you have any of a bit of a marketing background or anything of that sort? No, so that's, this is all. That's this is the hard part. Yeah, this, is, this is my major issues, and I don't. <laughs> I don't do what I should do and I don't hit the pavement and go out there and try to rustle up as much as I can because my wife supports us completely. Like I, my income doesn't actually uh, go towards our daily living. So I can do whatever I want and I enjoy making stuff for us too. So that's why I'm kind of at that midway point of, doing commissions and then doing stuff for us as well. So that's where I am right now. Well, I, mean, I, I don't think there's a cut and dry method that works for all, but um, you know, for some it's, it's hitting the pavement and getting out there and it may, it may be a, a longer road or a shorter, shorter or a, a longer path, but uh, you know, just doing what you're doing and spreading when you can. And I'm sure word of mouth is working just as well for you to keep things rolling and something like, like, like you mentioned, just getting into a, like a cake supplier that seems trivial, but that, that could open up a whole new doorway. Yeah. And I've, you know, like I said, I made a couple other things for her. So in her shop, when people come in, they see some stuff I've done and she's willing to say, yeah, this is who did this for me. And mm-hmm. so it's a good relationship to build among local community and local businesses. Not bad. Now I'm going to turn you away from uh, that a little bit and put you on the spot because I, I think you attended the woodworking show this past weekend or <laughs> two weeks ago at this point? Uh, two weeks ago? Two weeks ago, yeah. Maybe. Because so, it wasn't the Super Bowl. Super Bowl was last weekend. Yeah, it was the weekend before, right. So need to know how much heckling did you give <laughs> uh, to the presenters? The only reason I went was to heckle Chuck. So see, perfect, perfect answer. <laughs> Good to know. That was, that was, that was a ticket like, well bought. Yeah, <laughs> yeah whatever. My buddy, buddy wanted to go, and I was like, "Sure, I'll go with you." <laughs> so we we went. He actually went two, uh, maybe three days. He went two days for sure, uh, but I just went the one day uh, to make fun of Chuck and interrupt his class and stuff. So <laughs> blast. Excellent. How, how was it? And have you, do you go every year? You're right there in Columbus. So. Uh, not every year, but I've been, I don't know for sure numbers, but probably, you know, the past eight years, I've probably been six of them. Okay. Or five, somewhere around there. And since it's changed, hands in the past couple of years it's pretty much the same as it was so uh, 
different cops and a couple different presenters, but pretty much the same. And then pretty much the same, you know, Peachtree show where they're taking up <laughs> half of the, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, we have a, uh, I can't remember what his name is. It's a, it's a guy from Brooklyn who's got just stuff on tables. Is that uh, is that Joel, Tools for Working Wood? No, no. Mm. Just like in stuff. Just <laughs> stuff. Like, like he... Like it fell off the back of a truck type stuff. Or, you oh know, he went to an auction and bought out this thing, you know. He's, he's got like, in the back of the show. I know I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember his name or the name of the company, but And when you say stuff, what you really mean is crap. I go through it. I bought a uh I bought a CMT fourteen inch blade this year for like twenty bucks. A fourteen inch blade? Yes. Do you have a fourteen inch saw? My 14-inch table saw, yes. <laughs> See, I would have you put it in a crap pile because I don't know. <laughs> you have a 14-inch table saw? Yes. Wow. I do. Right. I've got a tool problem. <laughs> since, okay. uh, since I started working wood, I've been collecting tools and... I started out pretty small. I had a pretty small shop. It was the back porch of the house we were running. And then I kept moving up. And now I've got a giant shop. And I keep filling it with tools. So uh, just recently, this 2017, I bought a second table saw. And it's a 14-inch automatic table saw. It's a piece. What kind of industrial... What the hell? Like my dad's got a, a PM sixty six, and I think that's a pretty robust table saw. Mm-hmm. I've got one of those too. <laughs> that thing is awesome. No. I'm not saying it's not a great saw, but this one came up, and I was like, "Wow, that's a great deal." It would be nice to have a second saw when I have the first saw set up for something, and I don't want to change it. So. Okay, so I this was a, a a purchase of opportunity, not not specifically new app for fourteen inch saw. Yeah, yeah, opportunity. <laughs> I would think rather I don't know, maybe this is my own use, but I would buy a sliding saw before I would buy a big fourteen inch saw. Mm-hmm. I've got an Excalibur sliding table on my Paramatic sixty six. I believe that's uh, that's heresy. I think the Paramatic people are going to come and take the saw away. <laughs> <laughs> It works pretty good. Oh, I bet it works just fine, and I would do the same thing. But that, yeah, that I don't think that uh, the black and the gold don't go together. <laughs> There's black accents on the <laughs> on the gold Powermatic, all that stuff. I, you and Frank Howarth now are two people that I know that have two table saws, though. And um, I only hope that you've got them set up like that, where you can use one as an outfeed table for the other. I do not. No. Is They're it possible? Or, uh, so. Let me talk to you about my shop. <laughs> yeah, let's go through it. I, I, I was going to say we need a tour of it because I've only heard about – because is it in like the back corner of your property the or something? Like I remember 14 you're... miles long if I remember. Yeah, right. yeah, and it's in the back. <laughs> uh, my my uh, acre – we have six acres, and my shop and my house are pretty close to the front of the property, closer to the road. The back of the property – that. Back two acres is all woods, 
and then about three acres of lawn in between the woods and the barn and then everything else. So, uh, yeah, the, the shop is actually pretty close to the house. It's about a hundred feet away. And the way that the previous owner had it, he had a party room inside of the barn. So he had like a pool table and dining booths, like 60s diner booths and uh, a bar and memorabilia, like Coke memorabilia. Can and I ask an Yeah. Did that, when you were purchasing the house and he's trying to sell it, did mm-hmm. having all that crap in the, in the barn increase or decrease his property value? <sighs> That's a good question because I wanted to pay less for it, <laughs> but I also, I can see through that. So, uh, that's a good question. I don't know. Anyway, I, I, I digress. So you're we got a good saying, deal. What, I, what I'm hearing but, is that the garage is big enough that he built a little room inside of the big room. The little room inside of the big room is bigger than both of your shops combined. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's twenty by thirty basically. It's like you know somewhere around there, uh, and that's where all my tools are because he took the old furnace from the house and put it out there. Oh wow! So it was heated, which is amazing. Yeah, uh, In- inefficiently maybe, but heated nonetheless. Super inefficient. He had no insulation out there. Oh, yeah, it was, it was, that was a huge part of moving into that shop was building walls, insulating and this sort of thing. And that sort of running electric, uh, I had to do a lot of work to get it where it is, but it's it's now like dream shop state. So, uh, but then, so there's a 20 by 30 room inside of the barn in one corner and then the other part of the barn is kind of I park in it and I've got like the mower and all that sort of thing uh, lawn care but then a lot of wood and I store it all out in that area but also that's where the 14 inch table saw is because I don't I could put it in the shop but it would just cramp things a little bit so uh, the 14 inch saw it would seem less practical if it's not actually in the shop. That little bit I of walking it, would probably discourage its use. I use it secondarily. So, like I said, if I had the first one set up for something, I'll use it then. Or if I do need to break stuff down or break down sheet goods now, because it's got 80-inch rail on it. So I can break down sheet goods out there and not have to worry about trying to bring them into the smaller shop space and breaking things and knocking things over and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, right now I've got, I guess, four main tools outside of the shop. I've got a radial arm saw, which is right by the wood storage. So I pull stuff off the wood storage and rough cut it. And then I've got a miter saw out there as well, just because I wanted to have a long in feed and out feed on that. And it didn't really work out in the in the already built room. Uh, and then I've got the 
table saw and a planer, a second planer, because why not? <laughs> so, because excess, that's why. Yes, exactly. Uh, I've always dreamed about having a, a giant planer, and this one also was a great deal, and I saw it come up, and I, I couldn't resist it. So, I bought that. Um, what you're saying is when I have a tool that I want to get top dollar for, I should put it on Craigslist in Columbus? <laughs> uh, this was actually eBay. Uh, there's a guy on eBay who posts dented, like scratch and dent type tools. Okay. And he, he basically lists them at like half price. And most of the time, people don't bid on them because they're giant or something else like you know just a big expensive tool or whatever so yeah half price is a great deal to have yeah i a dangerous question to ask but um does your wife know how many tools you have (laughs) yes yes okay does she understand yes there's always (laughs) the conversation of okay what how does this uh how does this help you? How does this change your workflow? All that sort of thing. So, oh, okay. Yep. As long as as long as you have a good story, we're always we're always open and honest about that. That's very good. Mm-hmm. So, you talked about the big saw being good at breaking down sheet goods, and I can absolutely see that having learned to break them down on a table saw myself. Um, how how thick are sheet goods? Because the fourteen inch saw has got what like a five inch cut. <laughs> yeah, do you gang yeah. rip your plywood? I could. <laughs> You're good, absolutely. I have not. I have half, not done that. Half a bunk of plywood. <laughs> um, um, but in terms of the stuff you make, is yeah. it lots of sheet goods? Is it, you know, you try to not use them and use hardwoods whenever you can? Are you doing everything by power? What kind of stuff are you making? I tend to lean more towards hardwood stuff. Uh, but sometimes budget doesn't allow that, mm-hmm. and people people are okay with using a, a nice plywood. So the the it's not really the local, but there's a big giant plywood supplier nearby, and so I keep some in on hand, but I usually just go get them. I'm like, all right, I need five sheets of this, so I'll go swing over there. And they'll sell me five sheets. It's pretty sweet. Um, I tend to keep a lot more of hardwoods on hand because I find that if I buy 100 board feet of something for a project and I need 80 board feet, Mm -hmm. uh, I work slower. And I'm trying to be more careful with things. And, you know, I can't mess up this and I can't mess up that. And, I find I'm a lot uh, not careless, but I just I just move a little bit quicker because I've got a couple other boards sitting out there. So I like having extra wood on hand. Okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think that was was that the whole question? There was like two questions in there. <laughs> what do no, I you like that- to make? Yeah. I like to make my own designs, honestly. Uh, I like to put spins on certain things. Uh, 
one of my pieces I look at every day uh, is like a peer table. I took a class with 360 Woodworking, and it was a peer table class. And most guys went in there and they made the same exact thing that was in the picture that uh, we were shown. Let me stop you for just a second. A peer table? What, what's a peer table? It's just like a demi loon. It's like a half half table, but instead of an arch on the top, uh, it kind of has a serpentine side, okay, and then an arch front apron, and then another serpentine side, and the back apron straight, okay, and then the, and then the top follows that uh, same sort of movement. Uh, and I've got pictures on it. I can. Repost or something. They are indeed. And instead of just doing the same thing, I took the walnut that I had because I love, I've got big walnut. So I've got like a bunch of 17 inch wide boards. So that I used the one, one board for the top, which I love doing. And then uh, instead of using maple or something like that, like they would do, like using a mahogany and maple or a walnut and maple. I use lacewood as the uh, inlay and stringing and all that stuff. So it just takes a classic piece and kind of puts a little twist on it. And I think it looks fantastic. And I get to look at it every day. So I like that sort of thing. Are they mostly period style pieces such as that table or no i would say i probably have a more my my aesthetic's probably more modern than that in general uh but that instance i was taking that class and the reason i wanted to take that class was for doing the compound angle joinery. Okay. Because the way that the aprons serpentine, it's not just 90 degrees. So we had some weird stuff happening there. And then uh, we did some hammer veneering, which I had not done before. So I'm going to try that out. Okay. No, oh, that I just, I found it. It's, that's really cool. Thanks. I mean, your your choice of, of woods is as cool as the as the design of it. I mean, I, that's uh, well done. Thank you, sir. Yeah. So, what you you mentioned you know, again before you, your your art background? Are you are you like completely stuck on on wood at this point as far as your working thing, or do you try to mix in other elements? That's interesting because. Probably four years ago, I decided I wanted to do more ceramics because I did a lot of ceramics in college. Mm-hmm. So I bought a wheel to throw ceramics. And right. I bought a kiln. And that's as far as I got. <laughs> <laughs> and then they sat for a few years and I never went out and played with them. Uh, I threw like one or two things, but I never really went and did anything with it. And I guess, uh, 
I guess I'm not going to get into back into ceramics. There's a lot to do when you do ceramics like that. Uh, but with the Glowforge, I was like, well, you know, I'm getting this. They sent out a sample pack because everything was so late. So I got some leather bits and stuff in it. Okay. So I decided to try a wallet. So I made a little, it's not even technically a wallet, I guess. It's a three pocket money holder, I guess, <laughs> or card holder sort of thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I tried that out and that worked out great. Um, I didn't have to do a lot because the laser did a lot of the cutting and stuff, but, you know, just designing a little bit of this and that and sewing it up. So uh, I do sew. I've got a sewing machine, and I randomly sew stuff. I don't do it very often, and I'm not very good, but uh, I've made a handful of projects around the house for sewing. Uh, but yeah, basically wood. I'm basically stuck on wood. Uh, I've done some acrylic and similar wood type projects, but yeah, it's mostly wood. And it's not a, not a, a bad thing to be diverse like that. I mean, that's ceramics is something I don't think I would ever get into because I know almost nothing about it, but, uh, I think you're doing fine with, with the woodwork. For sure. I mean, you know, do you, because you said you like to be, uh, you know, like your own design stuff. Do you, mm-hmm. do you find yourself floating into other elements trying to mix wooden metal or, or, or more of that stuff? Or is it really like, I mean, obviously that table, like you're, you're using some non traditional woods. Um, and is it just because they're a little more easy to work with that you're, 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 you're using them over and over? I think I like wood because of its inherent beauty and its ease of workability. I've used metal. I've done some metal. I took a bunch of sculpture classes. That's how I kind of got into woodworking. And I started off doing uh, metal, clay, that sort of thing. And I've always been interested in wood, so I tried some wood, and I really enjoyed that. So... I think if I did any metal in my work, it would be inlay or something to that effect where I would take copper wire or something like that and inlay it or like something Kyle Toth just did with the brass Mm -hmm. and inlay the little uh, brass nails, for lack of a better term, into the piece, stuff like that is more interesting to me okay. than like a metal base, like a, a modern metal base that people are really into right now. That doesn't interest me a lot. I don't have a welder and I know people in the area that would do a better job on it. So I'd probably outsource that if that's what a customer wanted. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's that. Is that a, did you, um, did you do any large format stuff like you're doing now with tables and desks and chairs and cabinets um, in art school or, or mm-hmm. any of your training? Did you get into all that? In Sculpture 1, my first project was a found object llama. 
So it was six foot tall. Oh. And everything was, we went to the junkyard and we picked through stuff and threw it all together. And so that was my first sculpture, actually. Now that I think about it. <laughs> I, I found my new calling. I think I want to be an art teacher. <laughs> purely to assign an assignment that I want you to build a, a full-sized llama out of llamas. Well, it was just a found object thing, and I love llamas. Uh, okay. There was another guy in class, he did a dragon, so sure. it was like eight feet long, <laughs> and he didn't finish it because he was too ambitious, but it looked amazing because he forged a lot of the found objects, and Piece them together almost like scales, you know, and it looked really awesome. So, yeah, art teachers sometimes have good jobs. <laughs> <laughs> it's a that's among the more creative assignments I've seen or heard of, I should say. That's uh, that's pretty good, and I guess that that shows your creative side as well. <laughs> Thank you. Because I can I can like llamas all I want, but I couldn't think of how to make one out of anything. No, uh, I don't have pictures of it because I had a huge hard drive crash. Uh, maybe, maybe seven or eight years ago now. So I don't have pictures of it. But basically, it uh, it was kind of abstract. The head of it was a propane cylinder, but not like a not like a regular grill propane cylinder. It was more narrow and I'm not sure what it was from, but an elongated propane cylinder. I don't quite remember what I made the neck out of, but I do remember the body was like an old tractor hood. Uh, and then I had a bunch of random stuff for legs. And people said, yeah, it looks like a llama. I was like, sweet. <laughs> so, Mission accomplished. That's check. Yep. A for the class. Well done. On to bigger and better things. <laughs> so, with the art yeah. background, I don't, I, honestly, as I say that, I don't know if an art background really has any impact on the question or not, but um, <laughs> when you're making furniture and building things out of wood, are you the kind of guy who gets caught up in how it's made and it needs to be made right or it's not good? Or are you more concerned with what, you know, the, the aesthetic results and what it looks like and how it's put together so long as it doesn't fall apart isn't really that important? Where do you fall on that spectrum? I really like analyzing everything about it. So when I'm looking at a piece... I want it to look really good first off. That's my first goal. But then secondarily, and just behind that is how it's put together and how well it's put together. Uh, well being, it's rock solid, it doesn't move, or this was done the traditional way and no metal fasteners were used? I don't care about fasteners. You can use whatever kind of fasteners you want. If the fastener is a piece of wood going into a piece of wood, or a piece of metal going into a piece of wood that works for me. But I've, I've worked in many places doing woodworking and many times 
things were designed and built just to fit the function. Mm-hmm. And they weren't thought about as an aesthetically pleasing thing, or they weren't thought about, oh, this isn't going to work in wood because, you know, wood moves or this is not the strength of wood or any sort of thing like that. So I think the functionality of a piece is very important. And if you use screws in something, you can have it rock solid. I worked at a place building bunk beds and most of the things had screws in them and they were rock solid. And some of them, when we went to, we did moves and stuff. And so sometimes we have a old customer call us to disassemble and move a bed. Okay. And some of them were eight, nine, 10 years old and they were still rock solid with screws and bolts and that sort of thing, holding everything together. So they weren't always necessarily pretty in my opinion, but they functioned for what their purpose was. So that's an important part of it. That, that, that function is, is for your own pieces. That's what's the important part is the function, not necessarily the method per se. Mm-mm. The method I've, I've used, like I said, I'm a tool junkie, so I use many different methods. I mean, I don't have a, you know, I don't really have a Craig jig. I've got the little one, like the single Craig jig, but sometimes I use that when I think it's appropriate. I've also have a domino. I also can cut tenons by hand. I also have a multi-router. Uh, I can also cut tenons on a bandsaw or table saw. And I tend to lean more towards power tools and stuff. So, Okay, so you've got a tenon to cut. Which one of those things do you use? What's the project? <laughs> it's a table. Then what's the budget? Uh, no, no, this is for you. There's no budget. What? Oh, for me? Uh, I'm probably doing table saw. And I tend to do data stack on the table saw with the piece flat on the table. Mm-hmm. I have done it where the piece is vertical and you run it. I've got a little jig slide along the fence and keep it vertical and all that sort of thing. I find I find that the data stack I think does a more consistent job on my I don't know if it's the way I have things set up or maybe I'm crazy, but No, I th- I think you're right. I that is not my I typically don't cut tenons on a table saw, but that is, I think, the best way to cut tenons. Maybe that's because I don't do it often, and the little jig that holds it vertically is a pain in the ass to dial in. Um, I think that's partially dialing that in. And then also, once I set up the data stack on the table saw, if I have it at a quarter inch high, I'll usually just do all four sides at a quarter inch high, and then I'll take the size of that tenon and transfer it to the mortise and figure out what size the mortise needs to be instead of trying to do multiple different settings where, okay, the cheeks 
are going to be quarter inch, but then the top and the bottom are going to be eighth inch or something like that. I just, you just, you're just making it more difficult on yourself when you do stuff like that. What's your, it's your router theory. Do you have me? Just have multiple. Theory? No, that is your router theory to have multiple tools set up for a particular use. Oh yeah. You know, if you have different profiles, different cuts, different depths, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's not so crazy. I, I don't think so. If you've got the space and the time, the money. I, I, just <laughs> you, I was thinking was that my strategy should be to actually have a set, have a shop where I can have all my routers in the shop at once. Mm-hmm. Which you you have that much of a problem that you can't have all your routers in oh, one no, spot. I have like half my routers up in the attic. <laughs> I'm trying to think right now, I have. Got like nine, right? I think I have two, maybe three. No, I have three, maybe maybe four routers in the shop right now. Amazing. Don't hey Brian, you like tools? Any chance you want to buy a Festool OF two thousand? That thing is a beast. It is. I don't know. Mm. Part of my beef with. I love Festool, but part of my beef with Festool is I can't put that easily into a router table. I would love to put that into a router table. That's a big one. That's where I would put my panel raising bit or something to that effect in it. Like, I'm sorry. I'm like, I would never put a three horsepower plunge router in a router table. Like, I have have two three horsepower plunge routers because that's what you do. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a plunge router. That bi- I don't have a router that big. Mine are. Oh. I've got the. I've got two OF fourteen hundreds, uh, Bosch, uh, thirty one twenty one or something like that, and then the Dewalt uh, six eleven, and those all work great for me. So I don't have a giant router. Everybody needs a couple giant routers. Um, sure. Routers are like candy. You can't have enough. <laughs> but no, no. For a table, I would, I would absolutely say you need a, you need just a motor and a good lift. Um, so I would, I would absolutely agree. This is not a router for a table. But mm-hmm. um, I also think it's a terrible piece of shit router. So, uh, <laughs> well, there's a sales pitch. I know plenty of people who say, "Oh, it's Festool," and want want them. But honestly, this the Festool stuff I get rid of. I, I think it's not worth owning. Like this. The router is it's powerful. It's small for the for the capacity of th- of the motor. It's a small router. My Porta Cable three horsepower is dramatically bigger, but it's also the Porta Cable is better balanced, easier to control, smoother to use. It's just a it's a better router. This thing is a piece of junk. It really is. It's awkward to use. I don't like it. The more I use it, the less I like it. It was actually the first fest tool thing I ever bought. Um, and as I said, the more I use it, the less I like it. So anyone who wants a good deal on an OF2000 Festool router, hit me up. <laughs> um, good offer. <laughs> well, on to that, that uh, happy note, <clears throat> uh, I, I think that moves us on to our uh, fortunately beer choice. Because why else? So uh, are going to get you worked up. What will? <laughs> or if, or if you're too worked up and you need a drink, there you go. Um, I, uh, I, I, I'll start. 
And uh, do you have an Aldi by you guys? Yeah. Do you have Aldi on the mm-hmm. Long Island? Must do you have. shop at Aldi? Uh, my family does. I, I will admit to have only been in there a couple times. Okay. Um, but yes. So th- it's an interesting store. You know, uh, growing up, it was a real, real shit show of a place to be. But um, we did, we did, but it was like government cheese kind of stuff. Like it was secondhand, bad labeling, weird stuff. But anyway, um, they, they've turned it into quite a thing. And my wife actually commented, she's like, did you see all the beer they have? I went, no, but, and it, and it's like a, it's a mix of off branded stuff, but also some like great lake stuff, which is local to us. And uh, today I, I went, I walked by and there are, I got to see how much is in this can. This four pack of pint can from a place called Third Street Brew House, uh, which is out of uh, Colorado Springs. Okay. Um, not around the block, no. So it's like not local. I, I've never heard of it before, but it's a, a hop lift IPA, a nice, you know, like 6.2% general IPA, not terribly bitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty nice and hoppy, though, all at the same time. And it was reasonably priced. So if you have an Aldi, look at their alcohol selection. It's small, but well, fairly I, I various. I would have told you that Aldi didn't sell alcohol, but maybe I know. Maybe I'm wrong, and maybe that's just a New York thing. I have, I have to look into it. Yeah, next time you get a chance, I, I think, just look in there. And, and it's not going to be possibly anything you've ever seen before. But, like, my wife's a, a wine drinker, and she gets wine there. It's like a $5 bottle of wine, and... Mm-hmm good to go and this was a four pack of pint cans for seven dollars oh wow yeah no and it's and it's actually quite good i was surprised had to give it a try and i give it a thumbs up cool how, how about you uh i'm gonna have the same selection i had last time yeah because you actually have it this time i actually have it this time <sighs> that is the uh the six point party hat which is the air limited release it's a New England style IPA, and I'm going to take issue with that because <laughs> the the feature point of this party hat is that it is very hoppy while having zero IBUs. Impossible. It's 100% Galaxy hops. It is hoppy, but there is no bitterness to it. There is no dankness to it, and it's kind of a hollow taste. Like mm. I am very impressed that they made it. And it's kind of like teaching a monkey to talk. You're like, wow, that's really cool. But why? Um, and that's, that's the overwhelming thing here. Like it, I think dank when I think of new England IPA. Yeah. I was going to say, you, you think new England, you have umbrage with that because new England IPA is the heavy handed IPAs, right? It's just a, a little bad one is heavy handed. I would say the good one is just okay. really rich. But yes, to to the okay, uninitiated, rich. they are they are he- very heavy handed. I will I will say that. Okay. Um, and there are lots of there are more bad ones than good ones. Oh, but, okay. <laughs> but this is I don't know. There's a there's a there's an emptiness to it. Like it, the hoppy flavor that starts is good, but then there's nothing to back it up. Um, so. Overall, I'm going to say it's a valiant effort. I give them a B plus for effort, but the final result is a beer that I don't necessarily want to get again. So when could I expect the shipment of the leftovers that you don't want? See, here's the problem. I have (laughs) 
eight of them left in the fridge. Mm-hmm. But I'm a I'm a firm believer in skanking. And what is I I know skanking from not beer trading. What is skanking? Skanking is you? when you take a beer that's been chilled and let it warm up again and then chill it again and it's no longer any good. Oh, we call it skunking. Oh, we call it skanking because we live okay. in New York and we're right. All right. Um, Fine. <laughs> so I would I don't know that I could let it I don't know that I could ship it if it wasn't like in a cooler. Yeah. No, I I uh I understand. I bought it at room temperature, Sean. I'm sorry. I should have just put it in yeah. the box and sent it to you. At that point, damn. Because only because I mean, d- despite your ringing, but I really get. <laughs> but it's it's just worth have it. and I know trying. Not make like it it's it's this oddity. They should have it like a freak show. It's it's interesting. I had I had an IPA uh, made by Shorts. It's from somewhere up in Michigan. And it was a because it was not bitter, like kind of like what you just. It was it was really really cool, and I haven't seen it since. That was years ago, but um, I think I'm a fan of the Galaxy Hop. I don't you don't see it in many brews, but uh, intriguing. I'm sad to hear that you don't like it because it was kind of high touted as this new experimental thing, and just didn't ring well with you, but. Maybe maybe there's enough people that like it that'll start doing it more often. Uh, or or it's an expensive royal pain in the butt to make. It, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, if it was that expensive to make, then they lost money on it because it wasn't particularly expensive to buy. Um, okay. I have to do the math to figure out what it was, but it was probably like $16, $17 for a six-pack, which is not cheap, mm. but for a single-day re- release beer, I don't think that's unreasonable. No. Um, but in any event... Um, yeah, so if you can get Party Hat, try it. It's it is it's such an oddity. It is without question worth trying. And maybe you'll like it. Maybe you won't. It's not terrible. It's just it's just a little disappointing. Um, and- so after all that, Brian, um, bring us back to something normal that people can drink. Yeah, I don't know if you two remember. No, but, no, I do. Uh, I do. I, I do. My favorite drink is uh, ice water. So mm-hmm. there. There it is. My wife bought me a Yeti for our anniversary a couple of years ago. So I would suggest getting something where you can get really, really cold water. And I've become addicted to ice water. I take this thing everywhere. I take it into restaurants, theaters. I don't care. Because this is the, every, like the- every other ice water is not cold enough now. This is a, a, the Yeti cup? Yeah, the 30 ounce, the big one. Okay. Uh, with the clear lid on it. Yeah, it's fantastic. I have a 24 ounce one of those um, that I drink coffee out of quite often. Yeah, I don't drink coffee either, so I can't help you there. Stimulant free. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. But no, there's a water is good. Water is important. Water is vital. So, you might be doing better than some. And maybe the main ingredient in some beers. Mm-hmm. So it's the main ingredient in human life. I think, yeah, it's the main ingredient in <laughs> most, most liquid that you consume most of the time. No, that's a, as, as good a recommendation as any. And that squeak. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that sound, that just about wraps up the show. 
If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on iTunes or Google Play Music. Just search for Modern Woodworkers Association, and then you'll be sure to never miss any of our exciting episodes. While you're there, please leave us a review. Thank you for listening to the MWA podcast. If you'd like the sh- if you like the show, be sure to visit modernwoodworkersassociation.com. You can follow the MWA on Twitter at MWA underscore national, or you can follow the MWA on Instagram at MWA underscore podcast. Right, sure? Yes. That's I correct. need to actually change the show notes, not try to remember that every episode. Yes. Um, so with that, uh, the best thing you can do if you like us is to tell a friend because word of mouth goes a long way in sharing our discussion. So I'm Sean Wisniewski of The Corner Workshop. I'm at Sean W 78 on most social medias, uh, uh, including Untapped. Check my beer check-ins, uh, where I won't be having DM's beer. And, uh, yeah. You just have to come out to New York, Sean. Like, I know. You can use my like track in... saw. You can spackle for me. You can have some <laughs> of my beer. Like, There's all this stuff waiting for you here. Let's see the finer points of a garage shop. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You wouldn't even want to come in the house. You're going to be like, this shop is warmer than your house. It's better insulated. And you trip over copper when you come in. So what's not to like? Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, but I'm Diami Plotke of uh, ModernWoodworkersAssociation.com. You can follow me on Twitter is the best place to follow me. And I am at Diami Plotke. Brian, where can people follow you? I am most active on Instagram at Prusa Woodworks. P is in Peter R U S A Woodworks, and I am also on Facebook at Prusa Woodworks and Twitter. I am B Prusa. Uh, I tend to not do as much woodworking stuff on there, but just socializing more, I guess. So mm, I, I'm trying to be I, more active on that, but I think I would agree. I'm I'm kind of the same way in that over time Twitter has become more than woodworking, whereas Instagram is still almost exclusively woodworking for me. Yes. Um, so with that, go have some water. Have it at a temperature that Brian would consider far, far too hot for consumption, <laughs> and uh, and go make something fun in your shop. 